Good morning, and welcome back to the Dallas Express video podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Zubiate Bennett. Dallas is renowned for its vibrant economy and as a thriving hub for businesses. It is noteworthy that within Dallas proper, we've seen a trend of businesses gravitating towards the suburbs. But every challenge presents an opportunity. Today, I have the honor of introducing you to a titan in real estate development and finance, Mr. Scott Beck. He's navigated through a labyrinth of challenges with Dallas City Hall, demonstrating resilience and determination. As a chairman and CEO of UTB Financial Holdings, Scott helms the parent company of the distinguished United Texas Bank. His past associations with top-tier financial institutions have enabled the successful financing of monumental projects across the U.S., totaling billions. Beyond his banking accomplishments, Scott serves as the CEO of Beck Ventures and as a managing partner of Anthem Development. Over a span of 25 years, he masterminded the development of Trophy Club, a sprawling 3,500-acre mixed-use city. Before these commendable feats, Mr. Beck's expertise shone at prestigious institutions like J.P. Morgan Chase, Ernst & Young, and others. Besides his professional accomplishments, his heart for the community is evident as he sits on numerous educational and charitable boards nationwide. But Scott's story isn't just about the numbers and acreage. His dream for Dallas Midtown is to foster a bustling urban hub replete with luxury residences, upscale retail, offices, hotels, and entertainment spaces. As the CEO of Beck Ventures, Scott's aspiration is to usher in a future for Dallas that is energetic, prosperous, and enduring, a legacy for the coming generations. In summary, Scott Beck is not just a name. He embodies the spirit of visionary development and financial acumen, driving Dallas toward a brilliant and prosperous future. Please help me welcome Scott. I have mentioned how excited I am about this interview to dozens of people. I mean, we've been waiting for Midtown for the better part of, I think, 10 years or over 10 years. It's been a while. We are thrilled. I mean, this is, I think, what some people are calling the most valuable piece of real estate in North Texas that's going to be developed right here, right? So it's to the north, it's Spring Valley. To the east is Preston. To the south is 635 and the west is a toll road. Am I right about that? That's exactly right. Okay, so this is going to be a four to $5 billion project. And I've recently read that in about two years time, we'll actually have some development completed. Can you tell us, our viewers and listeners, a little bit about the unfolding of what this will look like? Sure. One of the things to recognize is the, the portion of property in the district that was ultimately rezoned 11 years ago is what we have. And that's 100 acres at the former Valley View Mall site. Okay. So, so this area is roughly 450 acres, mm -hmm. um, roughly a little bit larger than the size of Uptown to give people kind of an idea of how large this area is. So the Galleria uh, is actually in the district. Yep. Um, and, and again, size-wise, the Galleria sits on approximately 30 acres of the 450 acres. Wow. So you can kind of get a feel of, if you, if you were thinking, for example, um, of Uptown, um, and the West Village, and you were thinking about, well, what did that look like 40, 45 years ago? It was really kind of a wasteland. Mm -hmm. and, um, and what happened is the Crescent was built. So you kind of, and that's roughly the same size as the Galleria, right? And, and then the Crescent kind of spurred on all of this development. And that's really, I think what you'll see when you fast forward 15 to 20 years from now, is you'll see effectively a satellite downtown Dallas in Midtown. And yeah. it was a long time coming. It was. Can you give just a little bit of perspective? Again, I don't want to live in the past, but just give our listeners and our viewers some perspective about 
what it has taken to get here. Almost an act of Congress. <laughs> Putting it lightly. Right. This all really started uh, with the concept that Linda Coop had. And Linda Coop is the former district representative of this area. You know, the idea that she had been wrestling with, and now this is going back you know, almost 15 years ago, is, is really what to do with the languishing Valley View Mall, because it was still operating. Um, and then we went into, you know, the 06, 07, 08 issues that we had financially, and the mall goes into bankruptcy, and, um, and there was an opportunity to bid on the mall. And so we purchased it. We, we were fortunate enough to win the bid and then partnered with her to really kind of bring forth this vision of a new district. Um, ultimately, Linda Coop and, and the group ended up naming it Midtown, mm -hmm. um, which ended up being what, what the zoning was entitled for, for the area. Uh, and it was really an area redistricting plan that came to fruition. It, it actually is the largest urban district rezone in the history of the city of Dallas, that 450 acres all being rezoned at once uh, into this form-based zoning code. Uh, and it took, I think it was around 22 different zoning classifications and 16 different plan development ordinances all basically got collapsed into this one new area, which is what you described at the beginning, um, this 450-acre district. I know I text messaged you when that HB 14 bill came out mm -hmm. recently. And I said, is this going to help you get this done on the permitting, permitting side? Is it finally going to help you make this possible? So if you could share a little bit about if you're going to be utilizing that new bill to actually advance Midtown. So the new bill, uh, and I'm not an attorney. Sure. Uh, I'll, I'll preface yeah, by, saying, by, by saying that. <laughs> but ultimately, uh, that new House bill, I think, is very useful in terms of encouraging cities to basically clean up their own internal messes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the bill right now, effectively, if you read it on its face, uh, after I think it's either 30 or 45. 40, 45 days. 45 days. Right. So after 45 days, you have the ability to have an outside consultant mm -hmm. effectively review your plans. That's right. The problem is, is that if you really think about how things are done, if you're an outside consultant, you're gonna be very reticent to sign something- To approve it. That ultimately now the city of Dallas is probably gonna look, and the planning department is gonna look very unfavorably on you when you're doing a private development and bringing it through the city because you basically have aired their dirty laundry. Yes, and I'm gonna pivot slightly now um, over to zoning. Okay. I know there's been a lot of controversy and difficulty regarding Dallas Midtown project with respect to zoning, but it is my hope to ensure that future developers and existing developers can somehow be more successful in navigating the difficult waters that Dallas City Hall presented. What advice do you have for them? What ultimately Linda Coop encouraged us to do for the Midtown District was to put a PD in place, and PD stands for Plan Development, um, but kind of an experimental PD, which is only a couple of others like this uh, in Dallas. And, and really it's, it's pretty uncommon across the entire United States. Mm. And what it's called is a PD, but it's a form-based zoning code. And so that's a little bit different. And the way the form-based zoning code is supposed to work, because it's in the preamble of the actual PD, is that it's all intent-driven. 
So there's a whole section at the beginning of the PDA, which is, that is like- subjective? It is, it is somewhat subjective. The idea is, is that you talk about in the beginning of the preamble, what is the intent of what you're trying to do in the PD? In this case, it's a district, it's 450 acres. It's a walkable mixed use neighborhood, right? So you wanna be, you're, you're effectively describing in the language and in the pictures that are in the PD, if you were to look at it, and it even has pictures in there from uptown mm -hmm. in, in downtown Dallas, yes. you're effectively trying to emulate that. And so if someone comes in and they say, okay, well, we wanna build um, a storage facility with no windows, um, no parking on the ground floor, and um, and then all around it, just surface parking, right? Well, that wouldn't be the intent of the PD. It would be obvious that that's not the intent. Um, and so what you do in the PD is, is you, you basically give parameters for things and then you let the market dictate. So when you look at the zoning and someone were to ask, well, what are you gonna build on this parcel? You know, maybe there's a five acre parcel of the hundred acres that we own. They say, well, what can we build on this five acre block? And like, well, you can build anything. You could build a hotel, you could build an office building. You don't have to go back to the city to ask the city for use. Basically taking plays out of, you know, predominantly uh, best practices for urban planning is what's effectively built in the PD. And with that, I wanna make sure that our viewers can get really excited about this because it's a huge freaking deal. Mm -hmm. This is monumental for North Texas. And this is right here. I mean, my kids, they, they, they whenever they're with their dad, they're right behind Jesuit and St. Rita. So, I mean, it's right in the heart of everything. Can you tell people what, how it's gonna be developed? So what, if you can share, what retail uh, outlets, what shopping outlets, anything that's gonna come first and how it will be built? Where will the first building start? What will change? You're gonna see that uh, the beginning of next year in, the, in a portion of the property, which we call the Dallas Midtown Park, mm -hmm. um, we'll start having festivals. Mm -hmm. So that'll, the first one will, will happen. We're working on one that should happen next April. Good. Um, uh, for, a first, for a first festival, but I'm not announcing what it's gonna be today, okay. but, but the first <laughs> one probably will happen in April of next year. Great. Uh, and so, so you know, you'll start activating the property and you'll start seeing things that are actually at Dallas Midtown. Uh, and the first project that we're going to build is actually an apartment with ground floor retail that's facing okay. Preston Road, right on a street called Dilbeck today. And that street, um, for those people uh, that, that are your listeners, for mm -hmm. yourself, mm -hmm. if you've ever been to Santana Row in San Jose, or you've ever been to The Grove in LA, yes. um, you've ever been to you know, Legacy West you know, here in Dallas, um, it's that type of a street. Mm -hmm. So that type of a street will basically start right at that light. And it effectively goes from that light clear across to Montfort. So it bisects the entire property. Okay. And so what you'll see on either side of that street are, are you know, basically high-rise buildings with mm -hmm. ground floor retail, um, an entertainment street. Okay. Uh, and so that's, that's the type of thing that you'll see. I mean, and how do you think this is going to impact the local community and economy? Because by building these more luxury type scapes, buildings, it's gonna mean more taxes, which is a good thing for our city. Clearly by, by building um, large scale development and yep. increasing the tax base um, of the city, you can have one of two things. Either we can spend more money or, and keep our taxes the same, or it'll have the effect of reducing taxes. Really, there should be one Dallas Midtown type project going on at any given time in every district. And that's the focus. 
moving over to the cleanliness of Midtown, uh -huh. because I think I told you I really like how DDI, Downtown Dallas Inc., keeps Downtown Dallas relatively clean. Are you all going to have any type of comparable entity like DDI to work with Midtown? Or are you going to allow different organizations to for their employees, adopt a street or adopt a section of it. In the park, talk about the park. At Midtown, every street that gets built is a public street. Okay. So we're required to build the street, then we take that street and ultimately we dedicate the street to the city of Dallas once it's built um, and, and then we own the building mm -hmm. that's amongst the street. So the, so the, city, the, the city is now starts collecting tax revenue on the new building that we've built and then ultimately the streets that are around it are the responsibility of the city. Now the issue is, is that the types of streets and the things that we're gonna put around the street are gonna be a substantial upgrade from the normal city streets. And so this is where like a downtown Dallas um, has this kind of overlay on top of it mm -hmm. because they want this extra bit of oomph, if you will, mm -hmm. uh, whether it's security or the trees or the beautification or maybe a beautiful fountain or the park. Yes. I'm happy to talk about the park. Yeah, tell also. me, what's the size of the park? What's it gonna look like? Yeah, so so the park, uh, we created an entity which is a nonprofit uh, 501c3 called the Dallas Midtown Park Foundation. Okay. Um, that's been in existence now for a few years. Uh, that was actually an entity that worked in conjunction with the Dallas Parks Department mm -hmm. um, and several stakeholders in the area um, a number of years ago to come up with this vision plan for the park. Mm -hmm. uh, again, there's a video of what the park could look like. Um, that's on the DallasMidtown.com website also. So this isn't you know, your neighborhood park. This Correct. is a highly amenitized program park um, that will have different sponsorships and events that are happening on a daily basis, uh, restaurants and other things that are physically in the park. Mm -hmm. uh, that's, that's the type of park that we envision, which is kind of why we want to start really early on before the park is even starting to establish sure. uh, with these first events that'll start, you know, early next year. Well, this is, this is thrilling. I'm, I, like I said, I've been excited about this project for the better part of 10 years and I've used, yeah, me too. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> I've used Midtown um, as part of many different uh, decisions I've made personally on the investment side, but even um, helping people ensure that they're making the right decision when it comes to their own property for property value purposes. I mean, this is going to really have a profound impact on generations to come. And Scott, I hope that you will join me again for sure. as this development continues to gain traction, finally. And you're just such a wealth of knowledge. And I know everyone has appreciated it. I appreciated it because I learned stuff today, which I love learning. But you're such, you're such a blessing to this community. Thank you. We value you. We appreciate you. And thank you for coming. It's been my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Scott. Having delved into the first of two segments of our enlightening conversation with Scott Beck, it seems only fitting that our third segment guides us to the JFK Museum and the iconic Grassy Knoll. This journey beautifully juxtaposes Scott's contemporary vision for Midtown in Dallas's future with a pivotal moment from Dallas's history. It's imperative to remember, especially as we approach the 60th anniversary this November, that Dallas should not bear the weight of the president's assassination. In my opinion, as the narrative has evolved, it's apparent that the real threads of this story trace back to forces within our nation's capital. Dallas deserves to be liberated from this misplaced blame. If you have not been to this iconic museum in our city, I highly suggest a visit.
Sarah Subiata Bennett, and this is Stephen Fagan. I'm the curator of the Sixth Floor Museum at Dealey Plaza. And we have a beautiful private tour today since it's a holiday, and we're just going to get started. Ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. Dallas did come under a great deal of criticism yeah, after the assassination yeah, yeah. Uh, because of political events and extremism that had taken place prior to the assassination. When Kennedy was killed, there was this kind of collective global notion, oh Dallas, that's where things like this happened. And um, many people to this day believe there's more to the story than just Lee Harvey Oswald. Well over two-thirds of our audience have no memories of the Kennedy assassination. So really, in order to understand the magnitude of this event, the impact it had on the nation and the world, you really have to invest yourselves in who Kennedy was so that you can appreciate, by the time we get to that window over there, what was lost on the day of the assassination. Yeah. But as you can see in some of these pictures, he received a, a remarkable welcome. About 200,000 people turned out to greet the Kennedys. Nellie Connolly, the first lady of Texas, turned to the president and said, Mr. President, you can't say that Dallas doesn't love you. And it was just a moment after that that uh, the shots were fired. In Dallas, Texas, three shots were fired at President Kennedy's motorcade in downtown Dallas. The first reports say that President Kennedy has been seriously wounded by this shooting. Law enforcement officials searching the building came across this kind of barricade of boxes that had been unusually arranged around this open window with these boxes stacked on the window ledge. And uh, three empty rifle shells were right down there on the floor. This is a, an identical Mannaker Carcano rifle. The original's in the National Archives along with most of the crime scene evidence. But this is uh, uh, fashioned exactly the way Oswald's rifle was with the same brand Japanese scope, a, a leather sling. This is very, very close uh, to the rifle that was found here in the building, and it was wedged between these stacks of boxes, that little crevice that's right there between those two lower stacks. The rifle was found there just 10 minutes after that sniper's perch was discovered. Oswald, during his 48 hours in police custody, said he never shot anybody, but he was innocent, that he was a patsy, and that's how he died, without any more information about what he may have been involved in or what was going through his mind at the time those shots were fired. It has become a landmark for all forms of voices, especially at the Grassy Knoll. I mean, we were just talking about how yesterday Absolutely. there were protesters there and it's kind of a space to demonstrate their beliefs, opinions. Right. Going all the way back, really, to the time of the assassination, Dealey Plaza has become this gathering point for social activism. The idea that the plaza represents the end of John F. Kennedy's legacy, it, it is kind of infused with the unfulfilled hope and promise that he represented, the, the civic activism that he inspired uh, for young people to uh, take part in their government, ask not what your country can do for you, what you can do for your country. In many ways, Dealey Plaza represents that because it's where the dream ended and where others can take up that mantle and carry that dream forward. And so it becomes this very important part, part of the cultural landscape of Dallas, but also the world as well, as people um, raise their voices here. Yeah.